0: Welcome to the NeverEnding Glory Podcast. I am your host, Luke Grilly, and I do apologize for us not being here to give you all of our fantasy football knowledge. Last week, uh, Jerry was going through a little bit of a hard time with the whole Cubs-Indians World Series thing, um, but Jerry, how are you feeling tonight? Are you ready to go? Are you ready to talk football?
1: You know, it's been a long, long 10 days for everybody here in Northeast Ohio. been going through some thangs. Some thangs! Um, yeah, that whole 3-1 record's hard to, hard to overcome for some people right
0: right right unfortunately it is um, thoughts and prayers to the Indian season and I saw something today that, that teams are trying to trade for Andrew Miller which surprises me I don't know why anybody would why the Indians would even think about trading him because they're still going to be solid next year but that's besides the point we're talking football tonight Jer. just talks just talks that's all yep um, so, uh, the Browns and the, uh, the Patriots are still going two opposite directions, but our fantasy teams are both playing well. Uh, you had a big win last week, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I'm on the come up. Uh, simply ravishing has got two in a row and right now sneaking into the back end of the mm-hmm. playoff picture. I'm in the ninth spot. Um, got mm-hmm. a couple of big wins here and then I got to get another one this week against uh, our buddy, Nick Verne. Um, big Vern, okay. Yeah, so simply ravishing, looking to sacrifice a few goats right in front of him. <laughs> simply ravishing with
0: the top point score last week, right? I think that two playing. out of the past three weeks have been top point Ooh. score. Ooh. Thank Ooh. you, Jay Ajayi. Ajayi, who did not play last week, but last week you got big points from. Let's see, what Odell Beckham Odell and you uh, had a running back too, right? Um. I had
1: Forte, I had Beckham, and I believe Cam Newton all scored over 30, I believe.
0: There you go, recipe for success. But hey, let's get into our week nine point pounders and then talk week ten fantasy football. But first, people find us on Twitter at Glory Podcast. Had a bunch of new followers the past few weeks, very exciting. Uh, so hopefully, you guys are taking a listen and you're liking what we what we offer. Be sure to like all of our posts and just retweet and uh, share everything for us. We'd really appreciate it. On Facebook, search for us Never Ending Glory Podcast. Do the same on iTunes and on SoundCloud. And uh, what we've been doing recently is taking a look at all of our different uh, duel or Draft King favorites or bargains that you can get, as well as waiver wire pickups. And what we're doing, putting that nice little graphic for y'all and just tweeting that out facebook send, sending sending out on our, our timelines and all that so be sure to check that out continue to come back we're releasing that at least once a day uh, that's the goal but of course uh you can also find us on dynastyfootballwarehouse.com our good friends over at dfw they host our podcast every week And then, of course, like we said, we just had Major League Baseball finish up the season, but the Never Ending Glory podcast baseball show is still recapping the season and taking a look uh, towards next season. Find them on Twitter at NEGPodMLB. And, of course, we are in the middle of the college football season, so check out our college football podcast, NEGPodCFB on Twitter. But let's get right into the Week 9 Point Ponders. The first one that I want to talk about is a guy who's been on this list multiple times. multiple times so far this year and is currently sitting atop the running back ranks. And I think probably skill position players outside of quarterback is the number one overall fantasy player, Melvin Gordon, who had another 250 plus yards from scrimmage last week. He killed me a league. I uh, had 196 rushing yards with a touchdown and four catches for 65 yards. He keeps on dominating. And I told people to sell him five weeks ago when he was averaging about 3.3 yards to carry, but, Jerry, he has just been absolutely dominant. Where has this come from?
1: Yeah, it reminds me of a couple of years ago when Jamal Charles was an absolute first-round draft pick, uh, number one overall type guy. Um, this is, I think, one of two things. hes They've been playing a little bit weaker defenses the past few weeks. I mean, let's be honest, the Tennessee Titans are not the uh, 85 Bears. But right. I think they realize what they have in him, and he's gained a lot of confidence in what he can do he's gotten to be a much better receiver. I think also because Danny Woodhead's not in the picture to take away those sure. third down carries and third down uh, receptions out of the backfield.
0: And remember Brandon Oliver, who uh, was right. the other backup running back. He blew his Achilles, and then they brought in Dexter McCluster, and he really hasn't done anything. I think he I think he might yeah. be out actually too. So that now they're down to Melvin Gordon and Kenneth Farrow, and that's it. So by so he's got to been, be a,
1: th- a three down back now.
0: Exactly. And I got to say, too, that he's making the most of his opportunity and I was Mm -hmm. down on him coming to the season. And I think a lot of people were because he was going anywhere between the fifth and seventh round. And now he's making a case to be the early first round pick next year in fantasy drafts. So we'll see how he closes out the season. Uh, I'd be very interested to see if he can keep up this pace throughout the next five, six weeks, because a lot of running backs, we saw this with Devontae Freeman last year, who started out the gates hot, was dominant for 10, 11 weeks, and then kind of tilled off at the end of the year. But what he's got going for him is they do have a bye in week 11. Mm-hmm. So that's a great time to get a rest and kind of just get ready for the end of the season. Uh, you know, San Diego, long shot to make the playoffs. But, um, hey, if, if he keeps on playing as well as he does, the, the, the chances are much better. I don't know what
1: their schedule uh, looks like when they have uh, Oakland or Denver again. But if it's after the bye week, you know, mm-hmm. he's definitely run away with uh, number one overall score.
0: Right. So, um taking a look at it and San Diego has already played the Broncos twice. So that's and, okay. Right. So he's got the Dolphins and then he's at the Texans, Buccaneers at the Panthers versus the Raiders, at the Browns versus the Chiefs. So I don't see really any games there that are really tough uh, you know tough games for a running back the browns we obviously know they got he's got the browns week 16 which is a fantasy owners wet dream because oh my God. that's that's super bowl week for most fantasy playoffs and if if melvin gordon's healthy he's arguably he's probably going to be the, the number one uh, you know uh, uh draft kings fan duel pick um at the Raiders in Week 15. The Raiders can't stop a nosebleed. The Buccaneers aren't great. The Panthers have been terrible this year, so he's got a pretty easy playoff schedule. I yeah, don't really, really see. To ride. Yeah, absolutely. So for those who I told them to uh, to trade Melvin Gordon, and if they did, I, I do apologize for that. I take that back. Um, if I take it back, then you can't be mad at me anymore. Um, <laughs> next player that I really liked last week, and this was on Thursday night, was Matt Ryan. Who went up for three forty-four and four touchdowns? He continues the onslaught on the league. Again, another player who his value was at an all-time low after last year. He was taken late rounds. I saw him go as, early, as late as like the tenth or eleventh round, and he was actually team's backup quarterbacks. And right now, he's the number one fantasy quarterback. And with all the weapons that they've brought in with Mohammed Sanu tevin coleman being there Devontae freeman still being a force out of the backfield and um uh, and of course julio jones being dominant matt ryan is just going to continue to be a clear-cut number one quarterback every week you play him no matter what the matchup is yeah it doesn't really matter who they're going against um
1: the Falcons have Philly this week, and even then, like that's probably the best that we are going to see for the next few weeks. He's a must-start, right. and right. you know, just set it, let it go. When's their, do they already have their bye week? No, they have a bye week next week. Next week, so uh, after next week, it's set it, forget it, and, and let's yep. roll –
0: yeah, I will say I, I am actually um, I will we will be sending out some of the players that you want to fade in daily leagues. And I am actually suggesting that you stay away from Matt Ryan in daily leagues just because you can pick and choose who you want that week. And I just think you can spend your dollars better elsewhere in DraftKings or FanDuel. His but price he's still very high. Yeah, I think he's like the third highest quarterback this week, and there's just a lot of better bargains you can get out there and spend money elsewhere. But if you're in a dynasty or if you are in a redraft league, then Matt Ryan is your guy, and uh, you're going to stick with him until until the end of the season for you. Uh, the next player who is currently the number one wide receiver in fantasy, and again, I his schedule, schedule is absolute cake, Uh, Mike Evans, 11 catches, 150 yards, two touchdowns on Thursday night. So that game was actually really fun to watch. Uh, Finally, a good Thursday night product. That was actually something that we wanted to watch. Um, Evans is just the only person that Jameis Winston really looks at.
1: No, he doesn't have any other reads. (laughs) It's Evans open, yo, okay, either throw it away or run. Um, He's unbelievable. His catch radius is, is like Megatron's. He's what 6'5"? Six, six, he's massive. He's yeah. an enormous human being, and you just throw it anywhere near, you, he's going to go up and get it, or he's, he's going to dive and catch it. He's he's unbelievable to
0: watch. Right, and and you know, I was I wasn't after his last is his sophomore season where he really struggled with drops. I was I was down on him a little bit last week, but I, I will say I'm sorry last season, but. Um, You know, he's a red zone beast. He is turning into a possession receiver. I mean, obviously, when you're peppered with 18, 19 targets a game, your fancy value is going to go through the roof. But with Tampa being in the NFC South, that's just a cake schedule for him. And he's got New Orleans twice. In between weeks oh, yeah. 14 and 16 so week 14 he plays new orleans then week 16 he plays new orleans so he's a player that i'm absolutely targeting in trades i just made a deal for him i gave up lamar miller and ty montgomery for mike evans in the league and i feel like that i almost got away with murder on that one because just looking at at evans's schedule i'm i'm excited to have him on my team and i think he's going to be a huge piece to a lot of fantasy football championship teams um some other week 9 players that had great games. The first one I want to talk about who was in the doghouse for a while but he broke out with a long touchdown. Mark Ingram had 158 rushing yards and a touchdown as well as two receptions for 13 yards and another touchdown. But even as good of a performance as that was, he still not totally out of Sean Payton's doghouse. So Tim Hightower is still going to split carries with him, which will limit both players upsides, unfortunately. But, uh, what do you think about Mark Ingram? Not only next week, but just moving forward. Is he a player that you think is going to have boomer bust weeks or do you think he's going to be consistently good player like he was last year?
1: It was crazy to see him run away from San Francisco, um, on that long run. You don't see synonymously Mark Ingram isn't synonymously known as the B.A., uh, long distance touchdown score he's a right get the ball in the three because they threw the ball downfield and got tackled at the two and he he gets pounded in there um he did have an awesome uh uh mike catch uh by fox that got deleted immediately from all highlights so it's hard to even find that run did you see that yeah yeah oh my god was hilarious um but going forward you know it's hard to trust a New Orleans running back because they always split time I mean this has been the case for the past few years so it's a boomer bust thing like you said you can't trust him to put up these kind of numbers each week it won't be always there there might be a week he gets you know less than 100 yards rushing because Hightower's in on third down catching the ball the backfielder is in for uh, extra protection for Breeze so I'm going to stay away from Mark Ingram uh, going
0: forward but you know if he's your RB2 sure start him Sure. Um, also, too, you have to think about how much, how many different weapons they have on that offense between mm-hmm. Hightower and um, Ingram, Brandon Cooks, Michael Thomas, Willie Snead, Kobe Fleener, Brandon Coleman every now and again. I mean, this team just has a lot of mouths to feed, so you're not going to get a lot of consistent fantasy success from Mark Ingram, especially when there is... Um, another player in the backfield taking touches away from him. But, um, you're right. Like you said, if you drafted him as your RB one, or RB two, you know, maybe downgrade him a little bit to a low end RB two or a flex and, and feel comfortable. And at this point, hopefully you pick somebody up that can kind of pick up the slack, but still some, some, I mean, we talked about with Mike Evans having a cake schedule playing New Orleans twice. Well, New Orleans plays Tampa Bay twice and Tampa Bay doesn't have a a great defense to to speak of. So, um, He's got a, Mark Ingram's got a pretty good schedule looking forward when we come to the playoffs. Another running back who was thought to be in some sort of a uh, timeshare was Latavius Murray, who missed a few weeks with a toe injury, but he came back in a big way this week. Had twenty rushes for one hundred and fourteen yards and three touchdowns, as well as he added on a catch for thirteen yards receiving. And granted, the three yards were one yard, the three touchdowns were one yard touchdowns. But I got to say, with all the talk of Jalen Rashard and DeAndre Washington taking a lot of the carries from, or or rumored to taking all the carries from Latavius Murray, it's good to see Murray with the bulk of the carries in 20 20 touches, uh, because he is, last year he finished as a top 12-ish running back in most fantasy leagues, and this year, in points per game, he's right in the top 10, and he's just one of those players where you you never feel good drafting him, but when he's on your team, he, he puts up huge numbers, and it's just He's just a, he's a very frustrating player, and I'm curious to see what his long-term potential is or what his long-term outlook is here in the NFL and whether or not the Raiders plan on because his contract will be coming up, so I'm pretty sure he signed. He was a fifth-round pick, so I think this is his fourth year, so he should be an unrestricted free agent coming here soon. Um, so I'm curious to see what ends up happening with Latavius Murray and whether or not he can uh, find success elsewhere or sign a big contract with Oakland. Do you have any thoughts on Latavius?
1: You know, they got Jalen Richard, they have DeAndre Washington there. I don't know if they're going to be the long-term answers if he does leave, but I do think if they want to keep a consistent rushing attack, they have to hang on to him. Um, And he's only making a case for himself to get paid this offseason
0: by the way he's been playing so far. Right. Do you want to introduce this one? Because I know that you you got an infinity for him because he's one of the uh, simply ravishing players on your team. Oh, simply ravishing
1: player of the week this week was Jimmy Graham. You know, two (laughs) touchdowns. Uh, eight catches, 103 yards. I forget his targets. I think he had uh, double digit targets this week. But he uh, he he shocked the world with uh, the way he caught these touchdowns. Both were awesome one handed catches. You know, uh-huh. he, was, he was a guy we didn't know if he was going to be back 100% this year. You know, he's had some major surgeries in his career. And in that offense, you're not guaranteed to get the ball the way Breeze used to push the ball down to. Right. To him. They're a zone-based offense. They want to throw everything off play action, and he's shown to be a legitimate top four uh, tight end again. He's up there with, in the conversation with not quite Gronk, but you know Bennett is a, uh, He's definitely getting better numbers than him. He's up there with a Kelsey who can't stay in a game. Um, so <laughs> he's, he's definitely yeah. in the conversation as a top four, top five
0: guy. I think Jimmy Graham is – you know, you got Gronk number one, and then you got Olsen number two. It's clear cut. Mm-hmm. Those two are just the one, two. And then I think Ram slides in at the three spot there. Um, he actually went eight for eight with targets and catches, so very efficient. Um, I think what's changed with the Seattle offense is they don't rely on the running game as much as they used to, because they don't have the same running game they did when they had Marshawn Lynch back there. Obviously Thomas Rawls stepped up in a big way last year, but he's been out all season. Mm -hmm. Christina, Kristen, Kristen, Christine, we still haven't figured out the naming, uh, how how to say his name. Chris. Chris. All right. I like Chris. That's good. Chris. Michael has an, um, He's he's kind of tilled off the past few weeks. Only had five carries for one yard and a touchdown last week, so that run game just is kind of in neutral right now. So I think Seattle's kind of switching it up on the fly, and I I don't want to say I saw this coming, you know, moving forward in the in the preseason because I I, I, I listen I'm not a football scout I I. You know, rely on common sense really more than anything. But I said to myself that with a patella tendon that Jimmy Graham, the, the torn patella tendon he had, I, I saw him coming back from that a lot sooner than a guy like Victor Cruz would because Jimmy Graham relies more on his physicality, mm-hmm. whereas Victor Cruz is more of a shifty player. And that's where the patella tendon comes into play. The reason why Jimmy Graham was able to come back healthier sooner is because he just plays a different game. He just uses his body size. He boxes guys out. We hear it all the time about how he's a former basketball player, um, and he just uses his body to his, his advantage. So, I, I want to, you know, to my own my own horn here a little bit. I said by week eight. In another league, I was trading with my buddies, trying to get rid of Jimmy Graham in a league where I was cash-strapped. It was a dynasty league, and it was a um, contract league, and I'm pissed off I made this trade. But I said that Jimmy Graham will be back to being a tight end one by week eight. In That's the end, I was actually thing. kind of wrong. I was wrong because he's been a tight end one ever since week three when he had his first 100-yard receiving game coming back from that injury. So uh, Jimmy Graham, his night on Monday night was unreal. Uh the, the two one-handed catches for touchdowns actually got me a victory in one of my leagues. So that made me pretty happy between Latavius Murray and Jimmy Graham. I was down 57 points going into both their games and I came back and I won by four. So that made me feel really good about that. So thank you very much, Jimmy Graham and Latavius um, next player. We kind of alluded to earlier, but I want to talk to, I want to talk about now is Michael Thomas who out of nowhere. I mean, I know a, is he was a, was I think it was a second round pick by the saints had a decorated career at Ohio state, but I don't think anybody really expected the numbers that he's been putting up so far this year. I, and I know you were high on him going into the season, but sure, did you expect in- him, did you expect him to be rivaling Brandon cooks, to be the number one receiver in, in uh, new Orleans? Um, I don't know about that high. I thought he was going to be explosive. He had it when he was at Ohio state,
1: but going into the season, I think that system they used down uh, New Orleans between Coach Payton and, um, and and Drew Brees, it doesn't really matter who the body is. Um, if you're explosive, you're going to get the ball, and right. that's all that matters. So to say like it's it's more him than it is anybody else. I think anybody would have been explosive there. I think if you would have put you know the
0: name the next rookie, it would have been fine. But he's he's been fun to watch, that's for sure. Right. I just think that the fact that he is a rookie and he's picking up somewhat of a complicated system pretty quickly and he's excelling it. I mean, he's going to be flirting with 100 catches this year, which is nuts. And he'll be right around twelve hundred yards and ten touchdowns if he keeps up this pace. So that's really impressive for a rookie who I mean, and Ohio State wasn't even a pass first offense last year. They're more of a run first. So I'm wildly impressed with Michael Thomas. Um, last week, he put up five for 73 and caught two touchdowns. Um, this week, I am fading Michael Thomas and Brandon Cooks a little bit in in redraft and also for Dynasty and um, Daily Leagues. They are facing Denver. Granted, it's in New Orleans, but Denver, Akeem Talib's out, but they still have a lockdown D and a great pass rush. So while I get Denver winning the game, I'm not sure they're going to put up wild numbers like they have in the past few weeks. Sure. Uh, last wide receiver I want to talk about before we start talking about all the running backs in week 10 is Robert Woods, who had 10 catches for 162 yards against a pretty tough Seattle defense in Seattle. I, I know they're on a bye this week and they really have nobody else to throw to, but 10 catches for 162 yards by Robert Woods, it's pretty impressive against Seattle, am I right? Absolutely. Any you know decent numbers against Seattle is impressive. A wide receiver. Yeah, So I want to mention him, if he is available on your waiver wire and you have an extra spot on your bench, I'd say pick him up. There are rumors that Sammy Watkins could come back, but I I really don't trust Watkins to do really anything at all, uh, considering he's been out all season with a broken foot, or for most of the season with a broken foot, and there's absolutely no way he'll be in game shape anytime soon. Um, But I mentioned I want to talk running backs because we're getting into the nitty-gritty of the fantasy football season where guys who you thought would be – top five running backs. You took them third overall, like <clears throat> Todd Gurley, you bastard. Um, mm-hmm. you're trying to find <laughs> some players on the waiver wire who might be outproducing those players who either went down with injury or have struggled to really live up to their first or second round draft pick status. So, With that being said, you know we're getting to the point right now where there's a ton of guys who are banged up, a lot of guys on the waiver wire, a lot of guys coming back from injury, and we want to make sure that we cover all those players to make sure that you are in the best possible spot as we get closer to not only just pushing for the playoffs, but making the playoffs and moving forward in the playoffs. So the first person I want to talk about and Jer, uh, you know a lot about him because I've talked about this team almost every episode, is Deion Lewis of the New England Patriots is scheduled to return from his second knee surgery in just over a year. Uh, He tore his ACL last week, I think week seven against the Redskins, and then had a follow-up surgery to clean some stuff up during the preseason. And now it sounds like he's going to be activated against the Seattle Seahawks. First game action of the year. What do you expect from Dion Lewis in his first game back? In his first game back, I don't know if we're going to expect much. You know,
1: they still have James White, and they still have look Garrett Blunt. You know, he's not really using the backfield in the, the way the same way those guys are. But I, I don't expect much more than maybe you know eight to twelve snaps, just, just mm-hmm. to kind of work him back in. Give the Seattle Seahawks something they have to prepare for.
0: I think we're on the exact same page on that one. Um, a, lot of, a lot of people I've talked to are really hyped up because they drafted Deion Lewis or they picked him up. They stashed him either on their IR or they just sat at the end of their bench. But I don't expect anything from Deion Lewis so You might have a few catches because they don't want to rush him back, and they don't need to rush him back. The Patriots no. are currently they're 7-1. and one. They have a favorable matchup against the Seahawks because the Seattle is missing um, Michael Bennett as well as Cam Chancellor on defense. So it's not like they need full guns blazing to make sure that they get this win. Um, the, the offense is so much more dynamic with Dion Lewis on the field that they can wait until he's 100 percent. So they know that in the playoffs they can have him at 100% because I think he was the difference between them beating Denver and them losing to Denver in the AFC Championship. And Bill Belichick knows that. And also, James White has been solid, not only in pass protection, but also as a third down back or a pass catcher out of the backfield. So oh, yeah, they were, it's it's an embarrassment of riches. They have absolutely no reason to rush Deion Lewis back right now. I had White last year, and I believe I had uh, more than one game where he had 10 to 12 catches for uh, yep. almost 100 yards. Yeah, at the end of the season last year, he was like a full-blown RB1 in PPR leagues. He was uh, like a low-end RB1 in uh, standard leagues. But, yeah, I can read off his stats from those games. So week 11 through 16, he scored double digits in almost every game except for week 12 against the Broncos. Um, Scored two touchdowns in week 11. Uh, He had 10 catches for 115 yards in week 13. Uh, had a touchdown in week 14, had a touchdown It was seven catches in weeks 15, and had another touchdown in week 16. So he was pretty consistently a, a great running back for you in fantasy. Um, and this year, he's, he has shined. I will say I, I have been a little bit disappointed in how much they've used him or, or lack of using him. First four weeks, he struggled. But weeks five through seven, he kind of came into his own. Um, so... Yeah, I just I just think that they, they the Patriots really have no reason to rush back James White this week. Or I'm sorry, Deion Lewis this week. And James White will probably be the third down back this week, but next week when they play San Francisco, I think Deion Lewis will probably be ready to roll and uh, get back acclimated to the game. And you're gonna get if, if you if, if for some reason Deion Lewis is available on your waiver wire, which he shouldn't be, but if he is, go pick him up. You can drop you know your wide receiver five or your backup tight end or your backup quarterback at this point for Dion Lewis because he is a game changer not only on the field but also in your fantasy football lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, another player coming back from injury that could impact uh, a fantasy football darling this year is James Starks, who is the backup running back in Green Bay behind Eddie Lacy. Obviously, Eddie Lacy is out for the season with a with a bad ankle, um, but Ty Montgomery. The past few weeks has been, I don't want to say electric, but he's been a, a breath of fresh air in Green Bay as a converted wide receiver who's been playing running back and, and mainly as a pass catching back out of the backfield. Um, but with James Starks coming back, he has he's going to eat into Ty Montgomery's carries uh, or, or just, just snaps in, in, in the backfield for the, for the, uh, the Packers. And, but James Starks has actually shown that he can be a solid running back. Whereas I think Ty Montgomery still struggles to run in between the tackles. So with nobody else in front of Starks, I like him to be a solid RB2 moving forward as long as he's healthy from that knee injury. What do you think?
1: Um, Montgomery is an interesting character because with him and Cobb in the backfield at the same time, they can do some really interesting things. I right. don't know. I don't know if he's necessarily better than Cobb. but I just don't think Cobb is healthy enough to do some damage in that offense. I don't think anybody's really healthy in that offense right now. Yeah, you know, they got they had some serious issues uh, going downfield, and I just don't think that the connections there with Adams yet the way that it's been with um, you know guy, guys like James Jones in the past or back when um, um what's his name was was completely healthy before his knee injuries. Um, Jordy. J- yes. Yeah. Jordy Nelson. So to say that they're run, their running back situation is just going to be a, you know, a patchwork thing the rest of the year. They don't really yeah. have a legit guy. You know, even if James Starks comes back, he's he's got to be what his mid 30s almost. Yep. Yeah. So like it's, it's not going to be it's going to be a, a by committee thing. You know, this guy does this a little bit better than this guy. Starks obviously is better for protection. Um, but he's not going to get the ball, you know, 22 carries or anything like
0: that. No, but, I mean, he, in a game flow situation, he could see high teens. He's also going to be the goal back. where where in the red zone, the, the Packers haven't been great. Um, well, they they so, have
1: a Kuhn 2.0, and what's his name uh, when oh, they bring him in?
0: Yeah, his name escapes me right now, but yeah, um, look, look that up. I know, yeah, I, yeah, I know what you're talking there. about. Um, one thing I do want to talk about about Ty Montgomery is – so ESPN did this a while ago. They changed him to um, a wide receiver or a running back for fantasy purposes. But Yahoo actually just changed him from a wide receiver to a running back and wide receiver. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of got that um, – he, he's kind of a flex within himself. How do you feel about that, a midseason change? I have no problem with them
1: doing that. Um, it does make things interesting as far as your lineup goes. But it, you know, as long as you're in a situation where it doesn't mess with it, too much right. um, yeah, it's not a big deal his name I'm by leave. the way is
0: Aaron Rip, Ripkowski there you go there it. Doesn't have the same, it doesn't have the same uh, you know ring as uh, nice like who yeah. like the, like the Green Bay people. yeah they gotta they got figure something they gotta give him a nickname or something like that yeah um, moving on to uh, another team in the NFC who will be battling for the NFC crown. The Seahawks have Thomas Rawls coming back this week, apparently against the Patriots and Chris Michael, as we like to call him here the never ending mm-hmm. glory podcast started off great, but has really struggled the past few weeks. I think, I think I read something that the past three weeks. He has a 3.2 yards per carry average. And last week he only got five carries for one yard and a touchdown. So, Rawls was great last year. I mean, he was pretty much as good as Marshawn Lynch was and unfortunately went down with a broken ankle towards the end of the season and has really struggled to come back from that. Um, Who do you like moving forward? I I know who I like, but I want to hear who you like first. Like you said, Rawls last year, he had
1: 147 carries, 5.6 yard uh, per carry average, led all rookies last year in that nine game stretch. Um, Michael's coming back. I think what hurts the running uh, the running attack for them the most is that their quarterback's banged up. Russ Wilson's yeah. not running, and it's really hurting that the zone read second part of it. So teams are really keen in on the back. Um, you know, is coming in and helping a little bit, but I don't know if this is a three headed monster that they can really share. I think mm-hmm. Michael's going to end up being the guy, but they need something else to get that offense going and I think it's mm-hmm. gonna be Jimmy Graham downfield that helps them um with Lockett and
0: with um Baldwin. Uh, Baldwin, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well I, I mean I, I'm i am i am in the Thomas Rawls camp. I think that he's gonna come Dude, in it and- should be Right, right. Right. He should be. He should be. But I I just think he will. That's just my thought. I think Michael is was a flash in the pan. I mean, he he was in dynasty um, circles. He was the next four-letter word because he was always potential, potential, potential. The Seahawks took him in the second round of Texas A&M. He only slipped because he had character issues. Um, Well, it's because Manziel's like best friend. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Oh yeah, they played together.
1: <laughs> yeah, him um, and Evans. Yeah, there. That was the threesome, right there. What a crew! What oh, a crew. That's that's a squad.
0: <laughs> but um, you know, I I think that he just kind of had a good run for four or five weeks, and I think he just fizzled out because he's maybe really not that good. I mean, he was cut by the Seahawks last year, bounced around, was in Dallas for a while. I think he went somewhere else, and then the Seahawks brought him back when Rawls got hurt. So. I don't I don't see his longevity there and they the Seahawks they they really like Rawls and they really like Proce and I think that Rawls is going to end up being the early down hammerback and Proce is going to be the change of pace guy. And I think that's what we're going to see moving forward and and you know Michael will definitely stay on the roster but it's nothing more than a depth piece for them. Sure. Um, and and you know I I picked up Rawls in our league. I had seventy five dollars left in my free agent auction bid. I spent twenty five dollars on Rawls. I think he's a difference maker. I think he could potentially be that guy. That could win a team of fantasy of fantasy league because he's had success in that offense before, and I, I see him doing it again this year. At least that's just wishful thinking.
1: Well, he, we we let him go from the simply ravens right, squad, right. And we've moved on, so I don't want to you know go back into my past. And have to what did you what
0: do you draft in like, fifth round? Uh, you know, it was a little high.
1: It was a little high.
0: Mm. I will say this for you: I draft I drafted Golden Tate in the league in like the fifth round, and I dropped him. Uh, The week before, he had a 34-point game. So these things happen, Jer. You know, we all make mistakes. (laughs) All right, next backfield I want to talk about, and they are playing on Sunday against Chicago. Um, What's up with Tampa Bay? Uh, You know, Doug Martin pulled his hamstring early in the season. He hurt himself week two. They thought they'd have him back after the bye. I think they had a bye week six. They thought of you back then, but you re-aggravated the injury. He just started practicing for the first time um, in nine weeks, pretty much. Now, the Bucks really don't want to rush him back, and they don't want to re-aggravate that injury because Jaquiz Rogers, the backup running back who's had multiple 100-yard games in, in um, Doug Barnes' absence, has a bad foot. Mm-hmm. Um, Peyton Barber, I'm sorry, not Peyton Barber, Antone Smith, who was the third-string running back, he tore his knee up he's done for the season and now they're stuck with peyton barber and mike james as the only two 100 percent healthy running backs if doug martin can't go so if doug martin's out do you have any faith in peyton barber or mike james being like a sneaky rb2 or flex play this week no no not not in their offense um it doug martin's really
1: the guy and then after that you know if you're looking to get one of those guys, you you have other
0: problems with your team. If you're trying to use one of those, your RB two. So what are you saying? Because I haven't. I currently am thinking about starting him over Jer- Peyton Barber over Jeremy Hill this week.
1: Jeremy Hill against the Giants. I, I think I'd be going with the the uh, the Bengal there in that situation.
0: It's a very fluid situation situation right now. You know, it's I'm a very even, fluid situation. <laughs> even with a. Uh, if Doug Martin's out, I am still, it's a, it's, a, it's a toss up between Peyton Barber and Doug Martin, or I'm sorry, Jeremy Hill. Uh, the, my thought process is that Barber will get more carries, whereas Jeremy Hill is obviously splitting time with uh, Gio Bernard. But Jeremy Hill's been fantastic the past two weeks, so I'm probably going to go with Jeremy Hill, but the option is there for Peyton Barber to start for me just want to let it be known that, you know, these are the, the decisions I go through on a weekly basis when you're grinding for a championship. Um, next backfield, again, another player I have, who actually I think I dropped him today in our league, was I dropped Rashad Jennings, and it's Rashad Jennings and Paul Perkins in the Giants backfield. Both had 11 carries last week. Jennings found the end zone, but Perkins looked a little bit better. Perkins is the running back, uh, the rookie out of UCLA, who is probably the future in this backfield. Jennings just, you know, he's always been a pretty overrated player. Uh, he had one decent year in Jacksonville and turned that into a big contract with New York. I think he's in his last con- his last year of that contract. Uh, but I'm curious. I'm actually looking forward to watching this game on Monday night to see how they start to implement Paul Perkins into the backfield because he was thought of more of as a pass catching back when he came out of college. But with Rashad Jennings just kind of being a, less than mediocre back i think they're expecting perkins to be more of a three down back for him in in new york so i'm i'm i picked up perkins in a few leagues uh one league where again i'm grinding because everybody i drafted got hurt i am actually starting him um so i'm very very curious to see how he plays in that situation but uh do you have any thoughts on perkins what do you you think about him in the giants backfield in general it's another one of those situations where they don't
1: have a guy and they really haven't had a guy in a long time you know Rashad Jennings and Paul Perkins is like it's hard to even define who's going to be the number one guy in that situation I, I don't like the New York Giants running game um since god what's his name left who's six four or Brandon Jacobs. Um <laughs> they really want to throw the ball downfield to, to Beckham and to Cruz and to work that. They really aren't trying to point pound when it comes to giving the ball to one guy and and it's not a reliable situation for a fantasy standpoint.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's uh it, that league it's more of a Hill Mary with uh, Paul Perkins. And to give you an idea, I dropped Rashad Jennings for Adam Humphreys, the yeah, the the slot receiver for Tampa Bay. It's just because I'll be in a pinch at wide receiver really next week. Really looking here, really searching. I got, some, oh, yeah. I
1: got some. Why don't you come look at the simply ravishing squad? I got some deep cut wide <laughs> receiver twos you might be interested in. Name one. I'd love to hear who you is a deep cut. You know, Mohamed Sanu is always available for talks. You know, and then there's you know got they got
0: Hogan. You, you can oh. mess around with that a little bit. So would you have given me? Would you have given me one of those guys for Rashad Jennings? Um, No. Okay, cool. Well, that's the end of that one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, The next backfield that I was very excited about one player last week, and then he – or the past two weeks, he's done absolutely nothing. Um, Devontae Booker and Capri Bibbs in Denver. You know, Booker was – looked fantastic three weeks ago uh, along with C.J. Anderson. They both had big games against Oakland. No, it wasn't Oakland. Uh, I can tell you who it was right now. Bear with me. This is great radio. I know. Um, they played well against the Chargers. Nope, that's not right either. We'll cut this, right, here Sure, no problem. <laughs> no, against the Texans. Both him and um, C.J. Anderson rushed for almost 100 yards and a touchdown. And with... Anderson being down with a knee injury for the rest of the year, it seemed like that Devontae Booker was just going to be the next guy the logical, to come in. The logical and just, answer. just be your solid RB one. But last week against the Raiders who the Raiders are terrible on defense. He went for 10 yards and 22, 10, 10 rushing for 22 yards and had, and had one catch rate yards. It was outplayed by Capri Bibbs who had a long 65 yard touchdown. So, Kubiak came out of nowhere and said that, well, the ratio will be uh, in the favor of, or will move up in the favor of Bibbs next week, which isn't really saying much because the ratio before was like five to one in favor of carries to Devontae Booker. But it sounds like that Bibbs could be a part of this backfield in Denver. So, I mean, is, 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 is Kubiak pouring cold water on the, uh, the the hot fire flames of Devontae Booker's fancy football RB one status? No. Oh I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> did your brain did your brain just blow up. There? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> okay, how about this? Do you think that do you think that both players are viable plays this week against the Saints? Or do you think that Booker is the play or Bibbs is the play? I or think, did your it brain I blow think up no, again? I think it has to be Booker. I, I I don't
1: like either. I don't like that situation, but I think right. you have to go with Booker until you're completely proven otherwise.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. I, I think that Booker is the guy here in in Denver. Um, and again, it's one of those things where this team drafted him, and he had a banged up shoulder two weeks ago, so that might have been part of it. The whole Denver offense kind of looked out of sorts against Oakland, which was very surprising. Um, so I guess with the Saints, it's a lollipop matchup you got to think that Booker can turn it around. But if you're in a pinch with bye weeks or injuries and you, you see Bibbs on the waiver wire, he might not be a bad pickup and start. He he won't get you 20 touches, but there's a chance that he's got – I mean, he's the kicker returner for the team. So if your team awards return points or if you return a touchdown, you get those six points, that's just you know a, a, a lotto ticket that you could scratch. But also, it shows that he has explosiveness and that they trust him to hold on to the ball. So, I think that Bibbs could be uh, a flex play in literally the most dire situations. And I'm going to bump Booker down from what I thought was a sure thing RB1 every week to probably a high-end RB2. Um, Until this Denver offense shows me a little bit more, I'm just going to fade on Devontae Booker just a bit. I agree. That's fine. Yeah. So we got some Week 10 Point Pounders we want to talk yes. about, Jer. And I want to hear who you think will be the best players in fantasy football this week. Well, the best
1: player I picked was a pretty easy choice at running back. I picked David Johnson going up against San Francisco this week. Yeah, no, um, no,
0: sh- no shit. Yeah, it's kind of the <laughs> no
1: shit Point Pounder of the Week. But, like, just <laughs> – Looking at San Francisco, this is a team that looks like they don't want to play for their coach anymore. They're in a division where they have no chance of even making any sort of noise in it. It's the obvious choice. It's it's Dull 101. David Johnson is my point of the week. But then I actually have one. It's two guys for one game. Uh, I have (laughs) A.J. Green and Odell Beckham. And they're playing each other Monday Night Football, and it's basically who can score more in this matchup because this is two pass defenses that are ranked 21st in Cincinnati and 25th in New York, and they can't stop themselves. So right. who, who do you want to who take your pick? You know, yeah. I'm a little selfish. I, I, I got OBJ in my league <laughs> in our league, so I'm going to be watching yeah. that one closely. But yeah, two blatantly obvious point pounders of the week from uh, you heard it here, folks.
0: Well, they're going to be on Monday Night Football too So under the big lights I wouldn't be surprised if both yeah, players went off Right, right So I, I like those, obviously I got David Johnson, uh, like I mentioned we start, We're start. we going to start, or we have been Sending out a graphic each day On Facebook and Twitter Or, or each week with our favorite Daily Football League plays So the DraftKings and the FanDuel I have David Johnson as My, my number one play this week Um He's going against San Francisco, that just allowed over 200 yards to the uh, to Mark Ingram and Tim Hightower. So uh, David Johnson's—I actually made a very aggressive trade offer for David Johnson today, but the the guy wouldn't budge. Which I don't blame him because he's the number one running back right now in fantasy, and or number two behind uh, Melvin Gordon. But it's pretty much one a one b. Both guys have been absolutely dominant so far this year. Like how aggressive we're talking like. Oh, it was like – it was like um, – it was a seven-for-five trade. And, I mean, I was getting the best player in David Johnson, but he was getting like the second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth best player in the trade. Um, it was just – it was – I was – yeah, it was – it was very aggressive. Do I, I don't have time. It was, a, it was a huge reach. I didn't expect him to take it, um, but it would have helped him. would have hurt him at RB1, but it would have helped him at wide receiver. I was actually – Pretty much the the crux of it was, I was saying I will give you. He wanted Duke Johnson, okay? So I said, all right, we do a swap for Duke Johnson and um, D- um, David Johnson, and I will and, and I'll give you a swap of DeAndre Hopkins for Will Fuller, and then from there there is swaps not as aggressive as that, but there are swaps like that where I was giving the better player for the worst player because I was trying to get the best right. player in the trade. So I didn't expect him to take it. We ended up making a much smaller deal. I got uh, T.Y. Hilton who's on a buy this week and this guy, he's in, in major need of a win for, for Duke Johnson. So it was, it was a, a win-win uh, we're both happy with it. I can afford to lose this week if it happens. And I have a, you know, a wide receiver two next week that will be playing in my flex. So I'm pretty happy with that. But uh, my point ponder for week 10 is Alshon Jeffrey, who uh, he's playing Tampa Bay, who we've mentioned how bad their defense is multiple times on this podcast. And he found the end zone with Jay Cutler against Minnesota last week. So while he struggled so far this season, mainly because Cutler's been out, I expect him and Cutler to connect for, I'm going to go with eight catches, 130 yards and two touchdowns. So big night, big night from uh From Alshon Jeffrey, he's also going to be one of the players that I highly suggest that you pick up in DraftKings. He's actually relatively cheap. I think he's at $6,600, which is about $2,000 less than most top flight wide receivers. So um, very good pickup there. Um, Those are our point pounders, but let's get into our listener questions right now. We have Chase in New Hampshire. He asked us, what is Dante Moncrief's trade value right now? So Dante Moncrief, number two wide receiver for the Colts, currently on a bye this week, but pass-happy offense has been playing very well so far this season when he's been healthy, of course. I told Chase that I think that Dante Moncrief is worth you know, an RB2, um, a mid-range RB2, not like a, you know, a 13th best running back. I'm going to say maybe like a 16th, 17th running back. So how about Devontae Booker? for Dante Moncrief that's kind of what I'm thinking is, is what his value is right now what that's, do you think Jerry that's fair I'd probably
1: yeah I, I, would, I would say that you're making out on that deal if you if you go Booker for Moncrief
0: No, what about if you're saying you give up like uh, for Moncrief I'm sorry did you say Spencer Ware for Dante Moncrief
1: um I don't know if I give away Ware right now Okay. Yeah, it's close, so, though, I don't, but I don't think I can give away where right now. I think the has got a little bit more upside.
0: Right, so let's throw out a few more names just to kind of say this is what I'm thinking or we're thinking either is or is not good value for Moncrief. Um, let's say, how about um, a Theo Riddick for Dante Moncrief? I'd
1: make that trade. I'd pull the trigger on that. I'd take I like the Lions right now. I think the Lions have arguably the best offense in the uh, NFC North, and I'm going to go with Riddick on that
0: choice. Yeah,
1: I I'd do bet. Okay.
0: So another player that you have deep, you know, on your team right now, and who could see a little dip in production, but again, this is kind of the value of the player that or the the umbrella of players that we're looking at. But with Dion Lewis coming back. LeGarrette Blunt. Would you give up LeGarrette Blunt for Dante Moncrief? Oh, right now, yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, my God. If once Dion Lewis is back <laughs> healthy and the timing's there, LeGarrette Blunt's going to be, well, you know, he's going to get maybe less than 10 carries, but he's going to get those goal line carries that might be mm-hmm. two touchdowns. So right.
0: Pick your poison. So, one more. We'll take one more scenario here and then we'll move on to the next question. Todd Gurley. For Dante Moncrief. So Todd Gurley has less points than any of the players we've talked about so far in this scenario. Would you give up Todd Gurley for Dante Moncrief if you were in a pinch at wide receiver and had a a serviceable running back on your bench? Say like, um, I don't know, say like uh, Darren Sproles on your bench. Would you give up Dante Moncrief or Todd Gurley for Dante Moncrief if you had uh, Darren Sproles on your bench?
1: Todd is listed by websites as like one of those "do not release," "like cannot release," "do not touch" guys. Right, but I don't right. know if I totally agree with it. Okay, oof, oof. I think you have to you have to sweeten the deal a little bit more.
0: That's fair. I think that. Listen, I'm well documented in the past 37 episodes with how much I'm invested in Todd Gurley this season. I have such a hard time letting him go at a discount after seeing what he did last year. I understand how bad that offense is in, in L.A., but it, they were really bad last year, too. I just have faith that somehow, someway, Jeff Fisher will get creative in his usage with Todd Gurley, and he will explode in the second half like he did last year because there's just no way he can, can continue to be this bad. Oh, so, personally, I would not give up Todd Gurley from Moncrief. Um, you would need to give me a... Much better wide receiver, like uh, you'd actually have to give me his counterpart, like T.Y. Hilton for for Todd Gurley at this point, even though I just traded uh, T.Y. Hilton for uh, Duke Johnson, but that was just a good deal in, in, in for me, I think. But um, next question, Nick in Cleveland he wants to start one of his flex in a PPR league. He's got Kelvin Benjamin, Gio Bernard, and Zach Miller, so we're hitting all three positions, other than quarterback, or all three positions that would be considered a flex. I personally like. Kelvin Benjamin this week. I think that uh, the Panthers get the offense going against Carolina. I'm sorry, against Kansas City. And uh, and Kelvin Benjamin hopefully gets his standard eight catches for 95 yards in a touchdown game. So I'm going with Kelvin this week. Who do you like?
1: I'd probably rank Kelvin one. Geo two and Zach Miller three here. I do like the matchup that the Bengals have against the Giants' defense. I think the Giants' defense kind of sucks. Um, yeah. So you could sway me on the geo pick, uh, but I don't think you'd go wrong with either him or Kelvin Benjamin.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think in the end, Zach Miller, while well, he's he's more touchdown dependent, and he just isn't as big of a op- part of the offense as Kelvin Benjamin is. Is obviously the the sole number one receiver in in carol or sole number one outside receiver in carolina right um but i just think that you know b- because the targets are there for kelvin and uh the upside is there for a touchdown as well you, you got to roll with him this week but i do like the geo bernard start as well I, I think i'd probably rank him one two three like you did obviously with bernard he's always a threat to score a touchdown and is just you know dynamic out of the backfield as a pass catching back. So roll Calvin, Benjamin, Nick. We think that's a, a good bet for you. Uh, if you have any fancy football questions, start or sit, trade, trade advice, be sure to hit us up on Twitter at Glory Podcast or send us messages on Facebook. Just check out Never Ending Glory Podcast. We have shirts coming soon, so these two gentlemen who ask questions will be getting free t-shirts. So if you want to get a nice, sexy t-shirt for the uh, end of the NFL season that says Never Ending Glory Podcast and has our wonderful sponsor, Buckeye Vodka on the back, be sure to send us in those questions, and we will gladly answer them on the air. If it's Already after we did our broadcast, we'll be sure to answer them on Facebook or on Twitter or even on email, negpodcast at gmail.com. But I think we hit everything we want to talk about here in week 10. Again, those running backs are really starting to either get beat up or come back from injury or now we're seeing guys emerge. So, you know, be sure to keep it locked into the NeverEnding Glory podcast and we'll be sure to give you all of those waiver wire pickups that we feel Will not only help you win this week, but also looking forward to the playoff push as well as the Super Bowl push for your fantasy football leagues. So, Jerry, next week I will be in Vegas, so it'll be tough for us to record. We'll try to figure something out. Uh, but if not, you know, I'm sure maybe hopefully you and Sean or you and Mark will be able to uh, pick up the slack. Don't worry about it, man. We'll make it happen.
1: I think you can do it floating on a, a raft in the
0: lazy river. Uh... <laughs> That's a good point. I am going for work allegedly so um how much will be on the lazy river will be determined uh, at a later date but i will do my best to uh to have a few mimosas in the in a nice little inner tube while cruising in in chlorinated water for you and while i'm there i'll be sure to facetime you too but um so jerry got anything else for the people this week no just ready to move on through
1: uh some of the stuff that cleveland has been going through and focusing on a Browns victory here soon
0: Good luck, Godspeed, and uh, enjoy week 10 of the NFL and fantasy football season. We will be back to you guys in some sort of regard next week, um, and we're ready to rock and roll, win some games this week. Talk to you soon. Talk to you later.